This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined once again by another dog. If you, if you listen to our episode on Wednesday with Dave, you'll know that Oxford joined us for that. And today we have Miles and Willa in the podcast studio. Now, Willa, you have some big shoes to fill. Oxford was very polite and quiet. Uh, we'll see we'll see how you do, but uh, don't you know? Don't hesitate to add your opinion into the episode uh, as you see fit. If you've got something that we're missing or or that we're not touching on, you can you can let us know as well. I think Willa mainly like to talk about the fact that her. Her dad has not taken her on any walks yet today, so we might hear some yelping. Well, there's a, a good reason for that. It's a conversation that I had with Dave as well as he was trying to exhaust Oxford in the office yesterday by passing the ball around because it's just been too cold. It's been too cold outside. Uh, if you pick up the pulse and you read my intro to the A&E section this week, uh, I, I kind of reminisce about how not even two weeks ago I would stand in my doorway and think, eh, I, don't, I don't need a coat today. I can, I'm just running an errand. I'll be fine. Uh, but that's not the case anymore because it is, it is very, very cold. Uh, <laughs> and I, I have some questions about the cold. Uh, I, coming from a, a Minnesotan, it's weird that I'm going to be like, hey, why is it so cold here? But this winter seems uh, a little bit different from the winters that we've had in the past in that uh, especially the roads have been super bad. I don't know if you've been driving around much, Miles, but uh, it has not been great. And it seems like they were bad right away and they didn't get any better. And then they got worse today. So what do you think is <laughs> going on out there? Well, one of the things you have to understand is like that you have the, the county highway department, um, you only have so many hours and so much salt and so much sand to throw down on the roads and you don't want to like dump all of it on every road. And so you kind of normally when they clear the, after a big snowfall, you within a couple of days, you get a little bit warmer day and then you have some of that snow on the roads just melts. So in this case, it hasn't melted. It's been freezing ever since, but it still doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense to go and blanket every road with salt or sand to try and melt it um, artificially. So you end up with this snowpack, like, and I'm used to that up here, um, on off the main main roads all the time. Even now, though, you see some of that snowpack on the highways, which is that's a little bit strange. Um, but yeah, I think it's just largely a factor of just how how cold it's been and sitting around zero for what's it been about seven, eight, nine days now. Right. You, you can hear that Willa definitely agrees. Yes, uh, Willa. She wants to go outside. She doesn't care how cold it is. Um, Willa does not care how cold it is. She will. She likes to go on like long winter runs or she'll ri run with me alongside my fat bike for out on the ice even for seven, eight miles. But um, the one thing that does happen when it's this cold is it just gets it gets to her paws a lot faster. Right. So um, that makes it harder to take your dog for walks and the little puppy paw things just do not stay on her feet. So, yeah, sometimes the booties will work and sometimes they won't. Uh, it just depends on the dog and how they how they like them. Um, I I definitely noticed uh, the the roads because my car on on every normal day my traction control is totally fine. Uh, but every time it snows, my car is like, "Hey, you got to service your traction control." And I'm like, "It was fine yesterday. Why is it breaking <laughs> now when I need it?" So uh, driving has been a lot of fun the last couple of days. Um, but 
since it's been so cold, uh, and I know that there's not, you know, a ton going on anyway, but have you, have you been able to find ways to get out and to still kind of have some fun? What, what does the cold weather actually allow for? Well, I mean, this is something I learned in the last few years. Part of it is like matriculating your way out of abject poverty <laughs> and, and having like money to spend on good winter gear. Um, but having gr- growing up, like I always thought winters were just so brutal and, and they can be. And even in my 20s, I thought I, I hated the winter. And I've become one of those guys who like loves the winter up here because we get everything. And as somebody who's never come close to owning shorefront property, like you kind of get it all now because you can walk along the shore and on the ice and most of those homeowners aren't there. Um, yeah, it's not like sitting on the sand beach at happy hour, but sitting out on the snow at happy hour and having a drink on the, the shoreline is, I still like it. Um, but it's all about like having good boots, like a good, like a fisherman a couple of years ago, James Larson, who was on our podcast once. Um, he, I was like, how do you do this all the time? You go out every morning and hunt and fish and how can, how can you stand it when it's this cold? He's like, you got to get the right set of bibs, man. And so then he gave me a clinic on, on bib overalls and I got upset and I'm like, oh yeah, this is the game changer. This is how all these guys work on power lines and go ice fishing and, and do all this outdoor like manual labor when it's freezing like this. It's not bad. So if you have the right gear, it's not bad. So I still like, we'll go out and hike and um, I've been going actually to the Sister Bay ice rink a lot the last couple of weeks finally taking some time to learn how to skate i still fall a lot on the ice probably more than any of the children that are out there that are better skaters than me but um even when it's zero once you start moving you just start sweating as long as you have a couple layers on right are the kids helping you at least are they helping you figure it actually, out? actually yes that's good <laughs> i i am i am not too proud to ask a seven-year-old to tell me how to stop on skates and try to teach me and they're like no it just comes naturally i'm like no it doesn't no, not when you're 42. It doesn't just come naturally. Do they all call you Uncle Miles now? <laughs> Some of them. They might also refer to me as the guy who keeps falling. Yeah. Well, it, it's good that you're you're picking up a new skill because you you are a big into broomball, right? Mm-hmm. But no skating in broomball. It's all on your shoes. Yeah, it's all on those spongy little shoes. Uh, there's a lot of running in place, like the old cartoons. Um, yeah. But yeah, this weekend we have the Highlander Cup tournament, which it will crown the champion of the Northern Door Broomball League. Um, so I'll be playing in that. That goes from like noon to five thirty six ish on Sunday, um, which is a good time. Even if you're not playing, it's, you know, there, a lot of people usually come out for that and they have brats and beer and, um, hot chocolate and stuff for sale, probably chili out there. Um, this is just a fun community event to get people together. And there've been people, a lot of people at the ice rink all winter long, honestly. Uh, another thing if you want to get out this weekend is fire and ice weekend. Uh, and it's a little bit different this year, but they are still doing the snow and ice carving out in Sturgeon Bay. So you can walk around and you can see those. They're also doing a virtual gala. Uh, you can get, I don't know if tickets are still available today, but they're on doorcountytickets.com. There may still be enough time to get them. Uh, it's a virtual gala, but it will get you uh, dinner uh, from Scaturos and dessert. Uh, and then you also get uh, tickets to a virtual event with Charlie Barons from Manitowoc Minute, which is the third time in three years that he's been doing something up in Door County. So well, we're a good fit for him. Yeah. Uh, so if you if you're interested in that or if you're going to that, then that should be a lot of fun this weekend. Uh, anything else just for for what's going on around in the county? Well, well you we jump in. You mentioned fire stuff? fire and ice, and I, I went down there last year. It was kind of one of the last events of with like substantial gatherings that I was at. I mean, we did the pond hockey tournament one weekend and the next weekend was fire and ice. And, um, I was down there at the time, Mike Gallagher was visiting the shipyard. So I had gotten a chance to walk around and see the winter fleet in the heart of winter, which was pretty cool. 
But um, then afterwards, just walked around Sturgeon Bay a little bit, checked out Fire and Ice. And, you know, even though you can't do some of the, the things you might otherwise do at a festival like that, the, the carvers and the snow carvers and the sculptures are actually really cool to see, especially if you've got some kids walking around and young kids, they really get a kick out of it. Yeah, I agree. I like the events that, that go down in Sturgeon Bay. There's the, uh, the auction that they do with the park benches as well, with the, the custom painted park benches. And a couple of years ago, there was one, it was a, a character from Dragon Ball Z, but painted up like a Packer. <laughs> and I was like, this is just for me. Like nobody else knows what this is, but me and the artist. And it felt really special. And you know what, if you haven't been down there in a while, especially in from Northern Door, um, it's kind of cool to see what's happening there with their, their new signage and stuff that they've put around the city and the wayfinding signage. And I think, um, you know, Pam Seiler and Carly and the crew down there have done a great job with the Sturgeon Bay Visitor Center of, of incorporating some of that stuff. But then also, even on Third Avenue, you see like the, the banners that they, they now have, the little signage that um, kind of ties some of the cool elements around Sturgeon Bay into its downtown. So you have these banners of Cave Point or uh, some of the lighthouses or kayaking and stuff. And it brings, it just reminds you that like Sturgeon Bay is not that far away from all those things too which I think is cool. It gives you a little more pride in the city. And then on the end of third Avenue down by the hardware store and stuff, it's pretty cool what they're, you know, what they're doing at third Avenue playhouse and then across the street and with the old door County advocate building, there's some cool projects going on down there. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think Sturgeon Bay will look a lot different in a couple of years from now with the West waterfront project as well. Like it, it's going to grand be a, park project. Yeah. It'll be a totally different town down there. And yeah. they're, they're kind of laying the seeds for that right now. So it's cool to, it's cool to watch. Yeah. So uh, for the rest of the episode, why don't we jump into some COVID news? It's been a little bit since we Everybody talked. loves COVID news. Yeah, everybody put on your party hats. Um, <laughs> it, it's been a little bit since we talked about what's been going on. We're in the vaccine phase of this now. But there are, are challenges with that in terms of supply and demand and how uh, public health and Door County Medical Center are kind of working through their lists and how that's all going. I believe... Uh, that we are in phase 1B right now, which is the, the second phase after like the, the essential workers, the people in uh, um, long-term care, that kind of stuff. But we're, as we're moving through this next kind of bigger portion, there's definitely been some snags and something hap- some things that have been slowing things down just in terms of supply and demand, right? Yeah, I mean, with the, it was kind of surprising early on because people were pushing to open up well, why aren't we vaccinating faster? Why aren't we doing 65 plus, open it up to more people? And we saw right away why that wasn't the case is because they just simply do not have supply to meet the demand. Um, and, and that's not a Door County thing or a Wisconsin thing. That's a, a national thing. Uh, there was some good news yesterday. Um, the Biden administration announced that they had reached an agreement to purchase 200 million more doses of the vaccine by... Uh, I think about midsummer, and like maybe it was July first. I can't remember the exact date. That's just an agreement to purchase. That doesn't mean those exist. You know, they're not ready to ship, so they still have to be manufactured. So there's still s- some delay. But I think that with that purchase, we've at least purchased and secured enough to vaccinate the bulk of the country. Um, so there's some good news on that front, but we're still having these supply issues locally. What, the good news for Wisconsin is, you know, a few weeks ago we were ranked toward the bottom of our response and our, our vaccination rate. And now we're near the top of the country in terms of getting people vaccinated and number of vaccines uh, administered per day. But we still have, as of earlier this week, the Door County Public Health Department had 1,200 people on their wait list because they had to cancel all the appointments because they just, 
you can't go week to week and just keep leapfrogging and rescheduling everybody and trying to give a secure time. So now they are working as they get doses. Um, since they're not getting like the six or 700 that they would need, they are just working through the wait list one person at a time. So if the good news was this week, they got 200 doses, but they're not scheduling any new appointments. So if you already had an appointment to get a vaccine, based on the date you were scheduled, they are going through there and, and calling you and seeing if you still need it or if you got it from someone else and then they're just working their way through the list, but not scheduling new appointments. Right. That That's good. They're taking care of, of the confirmed ones first because I think the other challenge too is uh, say you schedule, I don't know, 100 people for one week and then you just, you have 65 people show up. There's 25 vaccines there or 35 vaccines there that, you know, don't have a home now and you're scrambling to try to figure it out because once you... Once you thaw the vaccine out, you can't refreeze it. So it has to be used pretty much that day mm-hmm. in order for it to work. So there's there's a lot of, of things to juggle to get this to work properly. So it's it's no real surprise that things are kind of jammed up and slowed down. But it sounds like progress is being made and there's a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of more vaccines coming. Right. And then there's, there's also some confusion, too, because... Door County Medical Center, Center and Door County Public Health, I think to the layperson in Door County, we kind of see them as intertwined as the same thing. They are not. They do work together. They coordinate a lot. But Door County Medical Center supply comes in separate from public health. And I think at, at the last time I checked in with the Door County Medical Center, they were getting a higher percentage of their expected doses, but they still weren't getting all of the ones that they had been ordering every week either. So they had shortages. So they had to reschedule. Um Logistically, I, I can't imagine the kind of nightmare that is. I mean, we've had to do it with events this year where we've, you know, we schedule it, we had to cancel it, we, re- we postpone it in hopes that like six months later we could hold the event and you try to re- reschedule all those people and some of them can use that date and some of them can't. And then you have to cancel again and reschedule. Like it, that was hard, but we're not dealing with people's lives and, and their health and safety. We're, we're dealing with rescheduling when they want to have fun and do something cool. You know, and so that level of responsibility that the the healthcare workers in the hospital have is just like added on top of just the logistical nightmare. Are they targeting different people for their vaccinations as well? Or are they looking at the same group of people? They're both looking at the the over 65 group. Okay. And, And how is that being split up? Do you know like who you would talk to if you were in that group? It's all about like the same person. And I, I believe there are some people who have made appointments with Door County Medical Center, Door County Public Health, maybe even like Green Bay vaccine clinics, and just to see which one comes through first. And and I know a lot of older folks who are just scrambling because, A, they're desperate to get back to some sense of normalcy, even though it doesn't happen like overnight, but it's like it's that step and to feel safe. So just making calls constantly, just like you'd be making calls to figure out an insurance problem, you know, it's, right, it's or kind pre-ordering of a video game console, <laughs> trying to get concert tickets, you know, yeah. like it's, it's kind of wild. Willa, what do you think about this? Willa's letting her voice be known. She does not like the slow pace of vaccines. No, she wants them to hurry up. Willa, uh, come. But I understand, I understand what's going on in, in terms of how, how difficult this is. So, uh, like I said, hopefully there's the light at the end of the tunnel with more coming in and, and we're able to kind of smooth things out and move forward with this. Um, but it, this isn't unique to Wisconsin or Door County. I mean, you're yeah. seeing it across the whole country. Now, the other interesting thing, talking about the, the supply and demand of things, the National Guard is canceled their remaining testing sites that they had up here. They had testing sites, I think, through March. Uh, yeah. And they canceled the rest of them because there just wasn't the demand for tests right now. 
Yeah, I mean, which is a good thing. <laughs> um, right. I mean, a good thing and a bad thing. Like, you ideally, you know, you talk about opening schools, like, the same thing with all things in society. If you were just blanket testing on a regular basis every week, we could actually do a lot of the things that we haven't been able to do for so long. Um, so the community test sites were one of those ways for people to kind of do that and, and stop the spread of this because if it was free and it was easy, uh, minimal time commitment, you could swing in there, get your tests, not worry about a bill and screen yourself all the time. And that was catching early on. That was catching a lot of cases. Um, just the number of people using it has declined. And so they, they canceled their last three test sites. And I don't want to confuse anybody. Door County Medical Center, still performing tests. Other medical venues, the traditional places are still doing testing. Um, but this, this is specifically the Monday National Guard community test sites that were being held in Sturgeon Bay at the fire department and in Sister Bay at the fire department. And there were three weeks left of that. And so they've canceled that. If you saw a massive uptick in cases again in the area or in Wisconsin, I, th I think you'd probably see that come back. Um, but at this point with the, the number of people using it declining because a, and a lot of people have already gotten it. So <laughs> that's part of it. A lot of people are getting vaccinated. That's part of it. And it's winter and people are hunkered down and, and just not doing a heck of a lot. Right. Speaking of tests, we haven't talked numbers in a long time. And I know that I got pretty fatigued after 10 months of looking at the numbers every single day. Mm -hmm. And so after not looking at the numbers for a while, I expected them to be high and, you know, continuing the trend that we saw in September and October and November. Uh, but looking at the, the most recent test results, it's the numbers a lot lower than I had thought it was going to be. And yeah. also the active cases are much lower. The last uh, reported active cases as of our recording right now was 54. So that, that is, it is really nice to see uh, that active cases are going down. Percent positive has always been pretty high in Door yeah. County, but the, the active cases are down, which is good. I mean, that, that's the number that dictates how the schools are functioning. Uh, that's the number that kind of indicates best how active the disease is, for lack of a better word, um, so, or, or how active the virus is. So to see that number going down, to see the total cases ever only being in the 2000s, thought it would have been higher by now. Uh, yeah, it, it, uh, you've seen it over, since that middle part of January, and you've seen that this slow kind of tapering off. I mean, it's still higher than it was, you know, when we were talking about this in August and even early September. But now we're down to a point where we're seeing, you know, many days, just single digit, single digit new cases, which is great to see after those many, many days of very high numbers. Um, By the way, I, I don't mean to just kind of throw this at you without talking about it beforehand, but Steve Gritzmacher put together a, a sales tax analysis. Did you get a chance to read that? Yeah. What were your takeaways from that? Because I thought it was really interesting. Now, the, he breaks it down by month and compares it to 2019, but there's also the caveat there that not everything is reported the month that it happens. Some, right. some businesses can report quarterly, that kind of thing. But I, I think that there are some interesting takeaways there. And I particularly was looking at the correlation between the amount of money that was spent in the county and when we had our, our big breakout of cases as well. Did you see that same correlation or was that me reading into it? Um, I didn't look at that so much. I just kind of was looking at the overall um, takeaways where essentially it set the groundwork for the listeners who didn't see that. Like sales tax returns were up in Door County for the, for the year that was, which is pretty stunning on, on its right. face. And we know that room tax returns were down, but not 
not down at the level we expected them to be, I think. And it, it's not finalized yet because you always have late returns and some late reporting, but I believe it's right around 8% down from uh, the year before. Um, so we made up a lot of ground and I've talked to some motels who are having pretty solid winters and that does not mean they're, they're slamming busy, but it means a motel that, or a hotel or an inn that might have four people on a weekend has six or seven or that has 10 has 15 or 20. Um, so you're, you're still seeing people trying to get away to door County, but the, the thing I thought of, and this correlates with what I heard from a lot of people in sort of like the hardware industry is there, there was a drop in the food returns. There's a drop in the lodging returns from a sales tax perspective. But I, th- it's not broken down by like, you don't see the data by like grocery store, hardware store, uh, convenience store, Targets, right. Walmarts, that kind of thing. But you do see it by broken down by retail. And I do, my guess is that a lot of that is driven by people who were um, doing home renovation projects because they're stuck at home or maybe catching up on home expansions. You know, construction... Uh, was if you talk to anyone in the trades, they've been super busy for this last year. So I think that might lead to some bigger ticket items, at, which has a bigger impact on sales tax returns. Yeah, could be that. Could be uh, even people trying to put together a home office to work yeah. from home, buying furniture, buying computers, that kind of stuff. Uh, I pull up the numbers here, and the thing that I found that was interesting was January, February, March, April were all. Um, better in 2020 than they were in 2019. But the summer months, May, June, July, August, all less than they were in 2019, which I I don't know if I would have thought that going through those months and seeing how many people were up here. Right. Yeah. Uh, But then September, this is where my big correlation came in. September was far and away our, our biggest month of the year. And it, it dwarfed the previous year by quite a bit. And that's also when we saw our big case outbreak. So my question was then like, did we see just a ton more people here in September? And was that a part of it? Or, you know, is is some of that going back to like, does the data suggest that it was more like parties and weddings and funerals and those types of things happening in September that caused the outbreak? And do do they have a sales tax uh, component to them as well? You know, that's some stuff I, those are good questions. I wouldn't feel confident attributing it to anything in any sort of solid way. But your point about weddings picking, we know weddings picked up in August and September. We know that in in speaking to folks in the funeral home industry, like there was a little more of like, okay, we've been pretty safe through the summer. So there was, might've been some more willingness to, to take those, do a little more with those and do some more gatherings. And, and those can be big ticket items too. You know, like we always think of um, sales tax in terms of, what we spend on day to day, but like, yeah, you, you start spending on, on those big ticket items that come along with the funeral and that come along with weddings. I mean, what all those things in, in weddings get, have tax components. So that's a good, it's, it's a good question. I don't, I don't know if that would attribute it to it, but it's a good discussion and something maybe we should put Steve on. Cause it was great by the way, to have Steve look into this again. Um, he finally got some brain space to, to work on it. And Steve used to write, a regular column for us um, every every issue and would look at stuff like this and do this kind of analysis of the numbers. And he, Steve is a a geek for numbers and a... Um, well, he's a geek for a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's he well, Steve's a geek. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so he'll look at things and he'll take a different take and uh, whether you agree with him or not, um, he gets you thinking. 
and he gets you discussing different stuff. So, um, and different things that are affecting our lives here in Door County. So it was really nice to see him uh, get some time to write this. So, Miles, as we're wrapping up, is there anything else that people should know about that's coming up soon that we should talk about today? Yeah, there are two um, municipal meetings that I, I think people will have their eye on. Um, the first is Dollar General is going to be a topic in Egg Harbor of discussion. They will have the public hearing for the proposed Dollar General store that would be in the town of Egg Harbor, uh, just south of the village. So the township does not have a lot of the rules that a village would. Um, this public hearing will not be like a decision-making time, and it's not, I, I don't believe the town board will be discussing a lot, but it's an opportunity for citizens to weigh in on the proposed Dollar General. That would be, if anybody knows where the Hillside Road and Highway 42, it's about a mile south of the village, uh, the landmark resorts big sign is right across the street from where this property would be. A cover fun park would be next door. So there is a movement from people who, who have put up no dollar general signs. Um, there's a lot of people who have, um, who are campaigning against it. So it could be a pretty interesting one. It will be done via zoom. So people can chime in and, and watch the proceedings there. And it's important for people to know that it's not as simple as just saying, we don't want this. If, right. if you want to make a case against something, and this goes for any project anywhere, uh, villages don't have that and, and communities don't have that wide power to just say, no, we don't like that plan. Or no, we don't want chains. There's no rule against those kind of things. Right. So you have to go in there with some very specific points if you are going to argue against it. Or yeah, there has to be legal grounds. It. Otherwise, yeah. you know, you're going to face a lawsuit. I'm glad that it's open up to Zoom as well because I'm going to show up there and I'm going to turn my camera on so that I look like a cat. Have you seen that with the lawyer? <laughs> yeah, I did see that. Yeah, that, that's how I'm going to show up to the meeting, everybody. But don't worry, I, I, I will be there live. I won't be a cat. Um, I believe, I'd have to double check this, I'm pretty sure that meeting is on the 25th of February. And then on the 24th, the town of Gibraltar is doing their uh, meeting to discuss the, their public hearing on the special assessments. So the special assessments are the ones for sidewalks and streetlights. We've covered that a couple of times in the Pulse over the last few months. Those assessments can, you know, as they're done now, the proposed assessment role would, could cost some taxpayers $2,000, $4,000, $5,000, $10,000. And some of those are homeowners, some of those are businesses. But it also would put uh, some nonprofits like the Catholic Church in, in Fish Creek would be on the hook for twenty five grand. The school is on the hook for $250,000. The Peninsula Art School would be assessed about $30,000. So, and some of those condo associations are in the six figures. So there are some pretty big implications for the town of Gibraltar community, largely that downtown corridor. So I would anticipate that there will be a lot of people chiming in and sharing their thoughts at that hearing. Right. All right. So we will look forward to both of those. Uh, I'm sure that we will cover them in the pulse and we'll probably talk about what happens afterwards on the podcast. But if either of those things are important to you, and I would imagine that for a lot of people, they are, uh, that's how you can get involved and that's how you can uh, make your voice heard or at least be a part of the meeting. So with that, Miles, I think we'll wrap up for today. Uh, thank you so much for chatting with me and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Great as always. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, 
purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.